Well, hey guys, it's no accident, right? It's no accident that we conclude our generosity talk as we did earlier on Mother's Day because moms are extremely generous, amen? And moms like that book. They give and they give and they give. And in my opinion, right, if I could kind of make the transition into some spiritual things, in my opinion, um, um, the church needs more mom types. And what I mean by that is spiritual parents, spiritual mothers who will step in and help us children. Now, in the room, if you think that you could use a little help in this thing that we call life, just raise your hand. Yeah, duh, right? Some of us raising both hands and a foot, right? We need need some help. And so, uh, in my opinion, this is what the church needs. It's more spiritual parents. And we can see, when you look look like at the principles or the, 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 the habits of a spiritual mom, like a godly mom, Right? If you look at the habits of a godly mom, you will see, I believe, a lot of uh, discipling principles in how she behaves and how she carries herself and how she loves on her children. We need more of those. Ed Stetzer, back in 2013, he wrote this report called The State of the American Church and Christianity Today, and also um, uh, USA Today picked it up and carried portions of it. But this is some of the stuff that Ed Stetzer talked about with the church. He said in 1990, about 86% of Americans uh, referred to themselves as Christian. So in 1990, right, you were alive in 1990, uh, 86% of the people in America said, hey, I'm a Christian. That's how they identify themselves. A few, I'm sorry, that was 1986. By 1990, or by today, uh, about 75%, it's gone from 86% to 75% of those same folks now uh, call themselves Americans. Now, so when that happened, when that stat came out recently, back in 2013, a lot of church people, like people who are in ministry, begin to flip out at the decline of the church. And Ed Stetzer said, you know what? He goes, I don't think it's as bad as uh, the, the world and the statistics would like, to, like for you to believe that the, the sky isn't falling, if you know the Chicken Little story, right? He said, actually, what's happening is the people who are posers, those who pretend to be Christians, those who kind of just accidentally ended up at church on Sunday morning, those days are gone, meaning simply this, that um, no one goes to church on accident any longer. I mean, it's extremely rare that someone just ends up in church on Sunday morning. Most people go on purpose, like, it's not just something that you typically do anymore. Those days have long been gone. That's why it plays well with my, my verbiage that I say when I'm up here. And I don't know if you've ever had the chance to do public speaking, but you don't ever quite know where your audience is. Like, what they're thinking. Do they agree with what you're saying? Are they in arguing? Are they have negative feelings about what you're saying? And so sometimes if you're up here, if you're not careful, you will have this weird unspoken dialogue going on. Like, are you with me? And what I've been trying to do is this, is to have the assumption, or I guess I would say it like this first, you know how the little kid in a movie years ago, he, he could see dead people? Well, I see halos, right? I choose to see halos. I, I have this assumption, I approach this presentation every Sunday, that you are here on purpose, and you're here because you want to follow the Lord, and you want to know what the Bible says to your life, and you want to date in a God-honoring way. You want to be married in a God-honoring way. You want to handle your finances in a God-honoring way. You want to live your life in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. I choose to see halos. You're here on purpose. You didn't just stumble in here. You are looking for some spiritual truth into your life. Maybe one of the reasons, maybe, I'm not saying this is the sole reason, that the reason there has been a decline and the posers have left is because churches for too long have talked about things or said things that have tickled the ears of the listeners rather than speaking the truth that they needed to hear. And in essence, churches like uh, the ones in America, I might even say, if not careful, New City, have created a, a generations of pansy Christians with sissy faith. 
that are interested in hearing the sweet things and the nice things. But when we start talking about obedience and we start talking about following the Lord and when we start talking about abiding and we start talking about uh, trusting Jesus with the way in which you live, all of a sudden, well, that's harder to hear. I'm going to go find another church. And I'm going to go find another church that will tickle my ears and tell me the things that I need to hear to eventually that person doesn't go to church at all anymore. You know what I'm saying? This is what Stetzer identified. He says that in, in, in his research, he identified three types of people, three types of Christians in the church. The first one was the cultural Christian. He said about a third of the folks, and listen, this is not churches outside there. This could very well be statistics in this room if we are not careful, right? He said a third, if Ed Stetzer was up here right now, he would say a third of you guys, a third of you are self-proclaimed Christians uh, who are Christian in name only. Like you're just Christian in name only. The principles of Jesus really have no impact in your life. Uh, you're, you typically use your Christian uh, moniker for um, uh, your, your, your political soapboxes and for your stances on things in life. But yet you truly don't know the things of the Scripture and you don't actually understand how to implement those into your life whatsoever. But you would call yourself a Christian. There's a third, he says, that still operate that way. A second third would be those who are congregational. And these are the self-proclaimed Christians who are at least affiliated with the church. Like when, when you talk to these folks that identify themselves as Christian, you say, hey, where do you go to church? They would say, oh, I go to blank. And I, they have a place. But the third group is the convictional and these are those of us in the room who are living out their faith and would associate at least one life-changing moment back to Christ. Like you would identify with, hey, this is when Jesus got a hold of my life. And you could, you could talk about prayers that God has answered. You could talk about things that you've seen Jesus, at least one of these. And these are convictional, convictional Christians. Now, this is why I love Jesus. This is why I think it's important for a church to preach Jesus and to teach Jesus. Because Jesus was full of both truth and grace. Truth and grace, meaning that Jesus wouldn't tell you what the person wanted to hear, but rather what they needed to hear. What they needed to hear. This is what a spiritual parent does. A spiritual parent uh, gets through all of the nonsense of, oh, this is what I, I want to, this is what I, you, you want to hear so that it keeps you comfortable and keeps you happy. And rather they speak to you about what you need to hear. And like Jesus, he was full of truth and grace. Not only would he speak truth in the scriptures, but he also walked with the people that he spoke to. He didn't punch you in your spiritual gut and then send you on your way. We've all had people do that to us in our life, right? Where they call you out on your sin, kind of throw dirt in your eye, and they go about their way. That's not what Christ does. Christ is full of truth and grace. Look what John says about Jesus in, in, in John chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. He says, For the law was given through Moses. All the rules were given through Moses. But grace and truth came about through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only one, himself God, who is closest in fellowship with the Father, has made God known. John says, listen, Jesus is truth and grace. Not only is he full of truth and grace, catch this. Truth and grace have a name, and his name is Jesus. And in your life, here's the, here's the, here's the beautiful thing. In your life, if you are a confessing and professing Christ follower, you would identify yourself as a Jesus follower. He will speak truth and grace into your life. Through His Holy Spirit, He is speaking to you. Like those moments when you begin to get out of bounds and you begin to live outside the boundaries that He has established in His Word, your spirit begins to tell you. Wah, wah, wah. Right? I don't know what happens for you, right? But you begin to know, and then you, in your mind, and you can argue this all you want, but in your mind, you know that either you're going to do what your skin wants to do, or you're going to do what the Spirit wants you to do. And both of those have benefits and consequences, amen? That's why we need spiritual parents that will help us along the way. I want to talk to you this morning about some stages, not ages, 
but stages of maturing. I want to talk to you this morning about stages of maturing. Not ages. Really careful. Because when I talk about this stuff, you're going to identify, if you're not careful, you're going to let your mind go to an age-specific person. But when we enter into the spiritual world, into the spiritual maturity, there are stages that we all must go through. No one gets to skip these stages. If there's a stage that you don't like, and if there's a stage that you're like, I don't really care about this, or this is a stage that I'm going to ignore, sorry for you, but everybody from here to the back of the room, if you're going to become a spiritual parent, will go through these stages. And the first stage is this. It's the person who is spiritually dead. This is where everyone starts. If you're in the room and you're like, oh, I've always been a Christian, that's not great theology. You haven't always been a Christian. You need to wrestle through that statement. Yeah, you may have always been raised in church. That doesn't mean that you're always a Christian. I know a lot of pastors who aren't Christians. Kidding. Come on, laugh a little bit. Spiritually dead are those who have yet to be born again. And I use that Christian word intentionally. Look what Jesus says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Jesus answered Nicodemus, I tell you the solemn truth. Unless a person is born of water from their earthly mama and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must all be born from above. There's a moment in each of our lives as a person who is following Jesus where God reveals his plan to your life. He reveals Jesus to you. He reveals that Jesus died on the cross. He reveals that the resurrection power, he did not stay dead. And he reveals to you that he is calling you into a radically new lifestyle. And today, the scriptures say, may be your day of salvation. That's why proclaiming the gospel is so great, because again, I'm assuming that everybody's wearing a halo. But some of you, man, today may be your day of salvation. And if you are someone who is spiritually dead, and you're like, well, I'm not sure, well, let me kind of give you some identifiers. A A person who is spiritually dead may say things like this, I'm a Christian because I go to church. A spiritually dead person may have this thought that all roads lead to God. A spiritually dead person might say there is no right or wrong. A spiritually dead person might even be as bold to say there is no God. Those are phrases and thoughts that a spiritually dead person might have. Now, what do they need? If you're spiritually dead in the room, if you have yet to be born again, you need to see what an authentic Christian looks like. You need to see spiritual parents in action. It's not about perfection, thank God, but it's about faith. And it's about practicing the lifestyle of living like Jesus. You need to hear the good news of Jesus. Now, what is that? If you're here and you're like, you haven't yet entered into this relationship with Jesus, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I've ever been born again. I mean, I know a lot about church. I've been in church my entire life. Or I, I, I know some Bible stories, but I don't know if I have this relationship that this guy on the stage seems to have. Hopefully, you know, I have that relationship with Jesus. I don't know if I have what Pastor Matt is talking about. Well, listen, it's, it's, don't complicate it. If God is revealing that to you right now, here's, here's the simple truth. That Jesus provides forgiveness of the sins because of his death on the cross. No one murdered Jesus. Jesus freely gave up his life so that you and I could experience forgiveness of our sins. There are things that some of you are carrying around, like that much too high, heavy diaper bag, right? For the mamas in the room. There's some things that some of us are carrying around that Jesus has went to the cross and died for. And you've yet to accept or acknowledge what he did on the cross of Calvary for your life. On the cross, Jesus died for the sins of the world. That if you would accept that gift, right, you would be reconciled back to the Father. You've been forgiven. Oh my gosh, who doesn't need that? Amen? Good gravy. If amen's too churchy, you say word. Two. 
The second thing I would say about this, about the gospel, is that not only did Jesus provide reconciliation through his death, but Jesus offers power because he didn't stay dead. Jesus was raised back to life through the mighty power of God, resurrected. That's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday just a month ago. Because Jesus came back to life. If Jesus can come back to life, don't you think he can handle your overdue light bill? If Jesus can come back to life, can't you trust him with your finances? If Jesus can overcome death, can't he handle your jacked up child? Or your jacked up marriage? Or your jacked up relationship? If Jesus can overcome death, if you can trust Jesus that he's going to keep you out of hell and get you to heaven, shouldn't you be able to trust him with Tuesday afternoon? You have power through the resurrection of Jesus to overcome everything in life if you trust in and live like Jesus. It's like that power is there. It's like, it's like you got the power outlet right there in your life, but yet you keep the power cord sitting on the floor and you never take advantage of the power. And you're trying to do life your way and in your own understanding and in your own knowledge. No, man, it's time. Listen, if you're spiritually dead, you need to understand that there is a power waiting for you to overcome any habit, any, 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 any sin. For those who have been Christ have been changed. The old is gone, the new has come. So reconciliation, the dead need to hear about the forgiveness of sins. They need to hear about the power. But here's the third thing. Oh my gosh, never let me or any other pastor ever preach you a gospel of get your free ticket to heaven, get your hell insurance, and then go live however you want. Horrible gospel theology. Oh my goodness, this is what's wrong with our church. Show me in Scripture where Jesus, where God the Father, where Moses and the early Old Testament guys and the, and the, and the New Testament church fathers, where they didn't care about how the believers of the church lived. Not only does Jesus offer reconciliation through forgiveness of sins and power through the, uh, through the resurrection, he also teaches us and shows us and reveals to us a radically new lifestyle that we live as we go out these doors. You should look and behave and act and love different than anyone else in the world. But why? Because of what Jesus has done for you. The spiritually dead need to hear this. If you're spiritually dead in the room, here's the deal. I am not calling anyone. God does not call anyone to some measly little simple uh, little Jesus faith. He asked for all of your life. And that's why he says you better count the cost and you better look at what I'm calling you to because I'm not calling you to an hour on Sunday kind of faith. I'm calling you to a radically new lifestyle where you're going to love different. You're going to give different. You're going to work different. You're going to do all of these things just like I did. Oh, man, the spiritually dead need to hear this, and some of us need to remember it. Word. When God reveals this to you, it's because I, I believe this right now, that some of you are like, dude, this is me. When, if, you're, like, if you're feeling it, here's, here's what you do. It's ABC stuff. You accept that Jesus forgives you because of the cross. It's B, you believe in the power of the resurrection. And C, man, you confess that you're going to live a new lifestyle. And if you prayed that, if you're feeling that right now and you're wanting to respond, i got a simple step for you. I want you to take that communication card that I've talked about earlier today, and on the bottom of that, I want you to write follow. I want you to write follow. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to do any of that. I just want you to write follow. If you're making that decision today for the first time, that you're moving from spiritually dead to write follow, I'm going to follow up with you. One of the elders is going to follow up with you this week, and we want to hear about what God's doing in your life. If you don't have, I'm going to be bold, if you don't have the courage to write follow on your card, the scriptures say you are not worthy to be in the kingdom. Oh man, but if God is revealing to you, man, you write on that card follow, that Matt, I accept that forgiveness, I believe in that power, and I am going to confess, and I'm going to live a new radical life that looks like Jesus. And you, my friends, who just wrote follow, need a spiritual parent. Now, in faith, 
in faith, the rest of us who are already following Jesus, can we applaud those who just wrote follow for the first time and welcome them into this family? I want to take you quickly through the stages because many of us were not spiritually dead, but it's the most important one on Sunday morning that I feel we need to talk to. But I want to talk to the rest of us now real quick. Stages, not ages of your spiritual development. Once you're spiritually dead, you automatically become a baby or an infant in the kingdom. It doesn't matter if you're 84 and you wrote follow today, you're a baby, right? So let's talk about the babies. An infant, a child, someone who is young in their spirituality, who are brand new. It is those who are new to following Jesus. Here's how you might identify a baby or an infant. They're ignorant of spiritual things. Not stupid, that's a big difference, but they're ignorant, but yet they're also very hungry. They're asking a lot of questions. It's like having a newborn in your house, right? Like my son Luke, he's four. He's, got tons, he's not a newborn, but he's a baby. He's got tons of questions about life, right? Your little ones, your children are ignorant, maybe in the spiritual world, about spiritual things, and they're really, yet they're really hungry for what God says. You also might identify them because uh, they believe, sometimes they have like mixed up beliefs, but they have this belief that becoming a Christian will solve all their problems. Now, if you've been a Christian for longer than 20 minutes, you know that's not accurate, right? Because if you wrote follow on there, don't pull up your bank account real quick and expect to see a bunch more zeros. That's not how it happens. Jesus is our Savior and our leader. He's not a genie in a bottle. That's Christina Aguilera. Thinking about that. <laughs> Spiritual infant or a child. Thank you for laughing. All right. Some of you are like, I have no idea. It's because you're older. So they understand their understanding of spiritual things. Uh, infant or a child is a combination of some spiritual truth. In the cultural comments, because you might come to this infant stage like having lived a little bit. And so you might have a little bit of spiritual stuff mixed with a little cultural comments. And so you got to have a fuzzy, fuzzy view of faith. You need some help. They have, been, they, they have to be, as a child, an infant has to be fed the Bible. They have to be fed the Bible. It does no good, little good, for me to just hand an infant in the faith a Bible and say, figure it out. They're going to go, I don't get it. I don't understand. And so they have to be taught the words of Scripture. They might say things like this. If you're an infant or a child, you may find yourself literally saying these kind of statements. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I, don't know the, I didn't know the Bible said that. You may say that. Or you may say, I pray and read my Bible. That's enough for me. Those are things that people who are new to spiritual life tend to say. What do they need? What does an infant or child need? They need an intentional attention from a spiritual parent. This is why it's important to have the spiritual parents. Because our babies, our, ch- our children need intentional attention. They also need to have the Bible explained to them. And they need to be shown what it looks like to trust in and live like Jesus. Here's some application. If you're an infant or child in the room, here are some next steps for you. You need to make friends with someone who wears the brown to green name tag. A lot of times they hang out at these back tables back here for discipling conversations. You need to find the men and women who wear the brown name tag and you need to make friends with them. You need to find a way to meet up and discuss the Bible and other spiritual truths. And I would even encourage you to attend our Tuesday night apologetics class that happened right here in this room, set up right over here with tables and chairs and a whiteboard. It starts at 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. It goes from 7 to 8.30. Matt Lee teaches it, and it's Christian truths, 20 Christian basic, or 20, 20 truths that every Christian should know. It'd be a great class for you to attend if you identify yourself as I'm new to this thing. The second stage would be the teenager, right? Fun teenager. And also the pain in the rear teenager. Anybody have teenagers? Are they not both fun and knuckleheads? Right? Raise your hand if you were ever a teenager. Yeah, you remember how you were? Yeah, right? Here's how I would identify teenagers real quick. A teenager is, knows just enough truth to make them dangerous. A teenager knows just enough truth to make them dangerous. Here's how I would identify somebody when they move from an infant stage to the teenager stage. is You begin to read the Bible on your own. 
If you're in the room, right, here we go, I may step on some toes, and you don't currently read the Bible on your own but have to have somebody kind of press into you to read the Bible, I would identify you, me personally, I would identify you as a spiritual infant because you're having to have somebody feed you the Scriptures. A teenager can pick up the fork and feed themselves. So if you're like, whoa, wait, come out. I'm, I, I I'm not a baby, then read your Bible. <laughs> Let me say it again. If you're like, whoa, don't call me a baby, I'm not calling you a baby, but babies can't feed themselves. Teenagers can now, if you want to go, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. How, how weak is the church in America because the people in the church won't read their Bible but expect the pastor to read it for them? If you've been walking with Jesus for a while and you won't read your Bible, don't be a baby. Feed yourself. Now, I love you. But come on. Spiritual teenagers. Now, I love teenagers. Teenagers are excited about Jesus, though. They're excited about Jesus. Our spiritual teenagers in the room, they remember just enough of the old life that they know what God has done for them, and so they're excited about it. The spiritual teenagers in the room are those who they've seen God answer a prayer for them. They've seen God uh, deliver on something they've been talking to Him about, and they're excited about it, whether it's a business venture or a relationship. or God, God, you're you're excited. Are teenagers not excited? Right? Now, if we're not careful, a teenager spiritually will also be led by their feelings. Be led by their feelings. If we're not careful, a teenager will have a black and white view on complex issue because they have incomplete information about said issue. Won't mean that they don't have any information, but they just read that one Facebook post, and so they've, 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 they've formed their whole conclusion on what, what Aunt Martha said or what some blogger said, and they haven't dived in, delved into the entire thought process. You might hear a teenager say statements with a lot of I, me, and my's in them. A teenager is going to talk, and this is fine. Listen, everybody goes through this stage. Nobody gets to skip this. But a teenager spiritually is going to say a lot of I, me's, and my's. Like a teenager might say to Curtis or to myself, I like the music here way better than my old church. They never say it the reverse way, right? It's always better here. I'm kidding. All right, so that's what a teenager might say. They may say a lot of I, me's, and my's. Uh, They may say things like, man, nobody will spend time with me, you know? They may say things like, "Uh, I'm not being fed here. But it's very personal. Now, what does a teenager need? I love talking about what they need. First of all, man, if you're a teenager in the room spiritually, you need to belong, and I want you to belong. I want you to have a place here at New City Church. Here's the more fun thing for me. I love this about teenagers. A teenager needs to be tested with responsibility. When you enter your spiritual season as a teenager, it is a season of testing with responsibility. Think of it like this way. If you have a real teenager, from, uh, they, they become a teenager at 13 to 19, right? Well, what you trust your 19-year-old with looks a lot different, I hope, than what you're trusting your 13-year-old with. You may not give the keys to the car to the 13-year-old, but you're probably going to trust your 19-year-old with the keys. Same thing spiritually as a teenager. During this season of your life, God is giving you and testing you with responsibility. He's giving you and testing you with responsibility. He's allowing you to mess up. He's allowing you to fail forward. He's allowing you to learn. This is a phenomenal and fun and frustrating season of life. But this is where you get to see if you can drive without getting a ticket or drive without having a wreck or if you can be trusted with uh, your, your little brothers and sisters while mom and dad go on a date without killing people, right? Or gluing them to a wall or something like that. What do they need? They need a spiritual parent who will listen to them complain. Teenagers complain, right? Who will listen to them complain and then correct their misunderstanding. That's what a spiritual parent does for the teenagers. They need to begin to discover, use, 
develop and be mentored in their gifting. As a teenager, you begin to discover kind of maybe how God might be positioning your spiritual life. And you need to begin to use those gifts. You need to be developing those gifts. You need to be mentored in those gifts by people who are further along than you are. Here's what I would say is application. If you're in the room and you're a teenager, you're someone who's feeding yourself, right? You're able to read the Bible on your own, but yet you do find yourself, if you're being honest, a little more self-centered, and you have a lot of opinions on what you would do and all these things. It's great. We love them, right? Here's some application. Become a self-feeder by reading the Bible without being told to. Did that. Stop running. This is good. Stop running from spiritual pain, excuse me, from spiritual pain and discomfort. As a teenager, a spiritual teenager in the room, you got to get past the thought that God would not use pain to grow you up. Don't run from the pain or from the hard lesson, the obedience that God's trying to use you to shape you into the adult next stage that he wants you to be. Another application for our teenagers in the room would be to allow a spiritual parent to speak into your life that you would listen to what they say even if you disagree with it. That hurts, right? It's a, listen, in your spiritual teenage years, you have to avoid running off and slamming the door to your room and cranking up your music because you're just not feeling you. Or they're mean. Or they don't understand. I took this one on for my own personal development, this application. As a teenager, typically assume that you're wrong and the spiritual parent is right. I think about that when I was actually a teenager. You know what's funny? Is that when, you're, when you were a teenager, I bet your parents were really stupid. <laughs> I bet when you were a teenager that your parents were really stupid. It's amazing how when we get older, our parents are really pretty smart. If you're in this season spiritually, and you're, God is testing you and trusting you with stuff, typically assume that your spiritual parent is speaking truth into your life and listen to them. And when you do, right, you will begin to see your life change. You will become a spiritual adult. And a spiritual adult is someone who takes responsibility for their own spiritual development. A spiritual adult is someone that I would say takes responsibility for their own spiritual development. They still have spiritual parents. They have still people that have mentor them and care for them. But they do a good job of kind of moving themselves through stuff. Like they, they, they can process things. They can understand. They don't freak out at every moment. How might, how might you identify this stage? Well, the adult has a desire to serve. Yet they struggle to train others to do the same. They can be black and white with what church should be. And they also, this is kind of a good one, they, they feel responsible. I mean, it's a good and a bad one. They feel responsible for when someone comes to Jesus, and they also feel responsible when somebody doesn't. So like if you invited somebody to church with you today, and you're a spiritual adult, and they said, I didn't really like today at all, you would feel the weight of that. And you would make it, uh, you know, kind of, you would like feel the pressure of their growth. And uh, that, that's, that's, a, that's an attribute of being an adult. They might say things that, uh, like this, they might say, an adult might say, I was reading my Bible and I have a question about uh, an adult might say, hey, I think I could lead a group like this. An adult might say, look how many are at church today. Woo! Or, man, nobody's here today. Why? Like it's, you know, sometimes our, the filter of the adult is not always the best filter. What they need. Man, an adult in the room needs help finding the best spot for them to soar. Like, man, the best spot for you to soar. They need a spiritual parent who will mentor them in the ministry they are doing. They need help establishing boundaries for their families because they will want to do everything. When you're in this season, you typically want to serve everywhere, and you can do all things, and you've got this gusto that you're going to do it, and man, chill out, calm down. And they need help working through complex ministry issues. Here's application if you're an adult in the room. 
quickly connect with someone wearing the brown to green name tag. Like if you're an adult, if you identify yourself as an adult, you need to identify yourself quickly with someone wearing the brown to green name tag. And secondly, you need to be known and get to know others. You need to be known. And being an adult is a beautiful thing because your next step is to become a spiritual parent. What's the transition from an adult to a parent? You begin to see the value of doing stuff as a team. You begin to see value of doing stuff in others. You have a coaching mentality. Not only do you take responsibility for yourself, you now take responsibility for other people as well. You guys saw Anita up here reading that book. That's what Anita does. Many of our brown to green leaders, actually all of our brown to green leaders who have that name tag are men and women who we trust as a spiritual parent, people that we trust leading you and talking to you and loving you through complex life and ministry issues. Now, I want to provide a next step for the entire church. We're going to be starting this the weekend after Oshani Day. So Oshani Days, Randy, uh, one of our elders, Randy, is going to be up in a little bit to talk about Oshani Days at the end of our service. But that's going to happen on June 7th. On June 14th, back here, we're going to launch a campaign called The Story. And The Story is an opportunity for all of us to read the Bible together as adults, with our children, and with our little ones. And I want us to watch this quick video to kind of give you a better idea about that. There is a movement sweeping across the land where fascination, understanding, transformation, and the story come to life. Read the story. Experience the Bible. So with the story, what we're going to provide is we're going to provide four opportunities every single week for you to gather with other people from New City, and to read and discuss the Bible together. We're going to talk about it on Sunday morning. We're going to have story groups throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday nights. We're taking away obstacles, folks, that we can talk about what we're reading together, and then on your own personal level where you're able to read the Bible every day with your, with your church family. we got to grow up. we got to spiritually grow up, church. And I want you to know I and the other pastors and elders, we're not going to punch you in the spiritual gut and then say, figure it out. We honestly, we want to walk with you. Our mission statement is to inspire you to trust in and live like Jesus. We want to be on this journey with you. And we invite you to come along. Now, I don't know where you are on on your journey, right? But I would encourage you today to take your next step. Take Take your next step in doing that. Now, we're going to do something fun in a little bit. But at this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. And we're going to have a time of giving together as we give back to God. If you have your uh, commitment form ready to be turned back in, you can turn that in at this time. If if not, please turn it in next weekend uh, when when you come back to church. And Randy, I'm going to invite you to come on up, if you will. And as we give together, Brenda and Rick and team, um, Randy's going to talk to us quickly about Old Shawnee Days. There we go. Good morning. You know why I'm here. Old Shawnee Days. It's coming up, and we're looking for volunteers. We've got 33 so far signed up over the last six services. So here's the re- I'm thinking, what's the reason we don't have 50? Well, I know why. The sign-up booth has been out in the lobby, and you've just missed it. So I moved it inside. So you can sign up before you leave today. Is that awesome? Yeah. So if you're 18 or over, we want to see you back there. Sign up because we're going to have a good old time. How many of you love the things we do at New City? We bless our community. We love it. Can I just push on you a minute? 
It feels like some of you love what we do, but you don't want to do what we do. I'm just saying that in a nice way. So come and join us because it's such a blessing when you bless others, isn't it? Amen. A little surprise for you this morning. You hear us say often here, we're going to run after our community at the pace that we, uh, I say it like this. We will always run after the community that we are a part of, but at the pace at which we run is dependent upon the generosity of, this, of the people, right? And so here's what we're going to do today. If you're an adult in the room, this is not for the kids, but if you're an adult in the room, we're going to give back the offering that was given in this room last Sunday. And here's how we're going to do it. Our ushers are going to come forward at this time, and in the offering buckets, we're not asking you to drop something in, we're asking you to take. And so there's an envelope in the bucket. I want you to pull out one of those and hang on to it, and I'm going to give you some instructions, all right? So they're just going to pass these down the thing. So just take one, and Brenda's going to start them over here on the second row. And so James, just take that and pass them all down. Take, an, uh, take a, one out. It's not one per family, one per person, as long as you're an adult. And uh, we're going to... I'm watching if anybody takes two, all right? <laughs> Yeah, just keep them going on across there. So oftentimes we talk about generosity and we talk about give, give, give. And a lot of times, or actually every weekend, actually, the, the, you folks trust us as an organization on how we're going to be generous back into our community, right? Well, this Sunday, we're going to give that responsibility back to you. And we're going to ask you to go be the church and you choose on how you're going to bless someone. And so uh, almost everybody has theirs. So as soon as everybody gets, I'm going to give the instructions here. It's kind of a fun thing. We're doing this in Edgerton, too, this morning, which is fun. Going to do a little pay it back. You guys are so quiet. Is anybody excited about this? I thought it was a great idea. I'm like, I wish the pastor would hurry up and shut up so we could get to the fun stuff. That's what I was thinking. That's me. All right, so everybody has their, their envelope, I think. So here's the deal. In your envelope, don't you can open it whenever. You don't have to open it right now. But when you open it, my first charge is can you match what's in there? Can you personally match it? So if you got $20, can you make it 40 If you can't, that's fine. You don't have to. I'm just trying to make it more generous, right? And the second thing I would say is can you combine it? Like if you came with a spouse or with a friend or you came with a family, can you pull all of your money together and turn $20 maybe into 100 And if you match it, now it's 200 I don't know. Figure it out. Get creative. But here's the thing that I want to give you a firm framework on. I would ask that today you go find the mom, the single mom, the mom who's fostering, the, fo- the mom who has adoptive chi- children, or the mom who's just simply got a rough go right now, and that you take that money that you've matched and maybe combined, and you bless them. Here's what you don't do here. Don't do that. This is a great opportunity to go and be the church. And when you give it to them, say, listen, I want you to know this is here. Here's a stump speech. God loves you. I love you. The church I go to loves you. And I want you to know that God's looking out for you. And if you ever want to talk about spiritual things or we can help you take your next step towards Jesus, I'm willing to have that conversation. Word. Thank you, Rod. Amen? Okay. Let me say this now. If you just received that gift and you need it, don't you feel a bit of shame or hesitancy to keep that gift for yourself. Amen? If we can be a blessing to you on this day, then let us bless you. If you're good, you match, you combine, and you go bless that mom out there. And let's have the best Mother's Day ever. Amen? Go be the church. Love you guys.